Hello and welcome to the show that I'm trying to remember the name of the song. <laughs> Boop. Hello and welcome to Master T- <laughs> Boop. Hello and welcome to Talk to D- D- <laughs> Boop. Welcome to Dungeon Master Talk. The dun the la 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 Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Dungeon Master Talk, a podcast by Dungeon Masters for Dungeon Masters. I am Dungeon Master Shay, and I am running solo this week, guys. This is different. (laughs) So, the reason I'm running solo is mostly because I had technical issues when Kyle and I were recording the last episode, this coming episode for you guys, and I really, really apologize about that for whatever reason, my audio went adios. And we're like, oh no. So yeah, just with life and everything, we just figured it would be easier for me to do like a solo episode this week and just kind of carry on that way. And then we will be back next episode. So like the beginning of March. So that being said, thank you guys so much for sticking with us through technical difficulties and not. Thank you for downloading this podcast and sharing it potentially with your friends. We super appreciate you guys taking the time out of your busy day to uh, spend time at our virtual table and talk all things D&D related and especially from the Dungeon Master position. If you would do us a favor and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, that would help us a lot. And if you would feel led to do so, please leave us a five-star review on that same platform or any type of comment. We would just appreciate those so that we can also get better for you and give you guys the content that you are looking for, but also to see what you guys are thinking in that as well. So, I got called out by one of my players at our last session for not giving a update. So let me go ahead and do that now. Kyle had his recording. He had sent that to me. So I will go ahead and patch that in as far as his game update for his last game as well. And then I think we have another session. We don't have another session for a few more weeks, but we will continue to update you on those once those happen. So just so you know, we did play the a few days prior to trying to record this last episode, and my party is still dungeon delving. They are in this really old city, and they're trying to figure out who's running it, what's going on. Keep running into a bunch of, like, they ran into a sea hag that they were able to defeat and her cronies. They <laughs> tried to procure lodging and stumbled upon a full guard's house worth of guards, so that was entertaining watching them get themselves out of that. They did, they found actually another full bunk of lizard folk and defeated them. Finally got a handy haversack, which is good, and I actually twisted the rules on that one just a little bit to make sure that it had quite a bit of storage on that specific bag uh, for them. But one of the things that they are dealing with right now is they have found a door that has some type of arcane protection on it. And they've tried to encounter it a couple of times, and it's actually blown them back a few yards, almost like Thunderwave a little bit, kind of that concept, but 
not actually the Thunder Wave spell. But the very last session we just had, we actually spent majority of the time actually in one big fight. And it was really fun because it was a five-on-five match. And the villains, if you want to call them that, they, they weren't like big, bad, evil guys, but they were, you know, some good minions. And I was actually del- deep delving into their bag of tricks, and that, that actually was really fun to see all of that come to uh, fruition, as that was a really, really fun session, just to see, like, I don't think I'd ever really had a three-hour combat, which is, at least for me, is unheard of, but it was just really fun to see them work through all of that and figure that all out, so... And now let's hear from Kyle's game. So uh, my group also played the Saturday before the Super Bowl. We are still a split party. Uh, Interesting because our number of uh, players has gone uh, slightly down uh, in that uh, we had a couple members absent. So their players were, you know, present, but they, I mean, the characters are present, but the players were not. So they weren't uh, active in conversation. So uh, our Warrior and Wizard that are under the mountain, for those who remember from my last update, uh, they traveled to the library to do uh, some research on the gem of power that they're searching for, the uh, group that's meant to protect it, and also just some general information of the city because they kind of happened on it faster and easier than they thought. Uh, They were escorted there by a uh, dwarven warrior guard who uh, sure, sure, uh, her purpose was to basically just make sure that they did exactly what they said they were going to do. Uh, when they're researching, they found uh, some information about a war between uh, Sapphire and uh, Onyx Knights, which intrigued them because they're looking for the Onyx Knights. Uh, and then they happened upon the assassin that surprised the wizard back in his hotel room in the pre- previous city. More accurately, he surprised them in the library. Uh, They had friendly conversation. Uh, They actually asked for his name, which uh, blew my mind (laughs) and made me so happy, listeners, because they actually asked for his name. Uh, Then, yep. uh, Meanwhile, uh, clear on a different continent, uh, our other uh, warrior, uh, the hired servant of our rogue, and our other druid uh, also went to the library, <laughs> just a different library, searching different information they were trying to track, trying to see if they could find out any information on essentially the warlord uh, from which they need to go uh, infiltrate his living space in order to try to find a way to teleport back to the other half of the party. Uh, they found a puzzle box that they solved, and it was contains a map uh, that they believe will lead from the city that the other group is trapped in to the gemstone that they're looking for, but they're having a hard time deciphering it, and also they're on the wrong continent to use it. So they're trying to look it back. The rogue who was trapped outside of the mountain, uh, who was left lo- uh, last left unconscious at the gate to the city under the mountain, uh, woke up in a healing ward. He was charged... Uh, 10 gold uh, for a healing potion there in the uh, in the healing ward. Uh, so he has elected to seek vengeance on those who charged him for his healing later, for diplomacy, as he would say. And uh, he was... <laughs> essentially. And uh, he 
uh, was then a, a almost placed under arrest, but he luckily said the name of the wizard uh, that was there that they knew as a delegate. So uh, he was reunited with the party. Pro- well, not the full party, but the majority of the party um, in the city under the mar- mountain in the library. And just when uh, they started enough infighting and vocalizing loud enough their problems that others in the library could hear, uh, a wizard approached them stating that he could solve their teleportation problem. And uh, that is where we paused with this introduction of this mysterious wizard who claims he can solve their problems. Alrighty. So this week, this is going to be a little bit shorter episode probably so kyle and i have been talking about what to do in a situation like this where you know either we have a technical difficulty or we have a scheduling issue you know what the deal was so one of the one of the things that we had talked about was having me do a reading of my backstory for his game for my druid and I, I was like, okay, that'd be, that could be kind of fun, just to kind of drive home the importance um, of a backstory. And I know we did a whole episode on that, and I encourage you to go back and listen to that if you haven't um, heard it already. But I think it's one of those things where I should probably put a caveat in there. Some of you might know this, some of you might not, that I wrote this story, and it's about 10 pages long. I'm not saying that to pat myself on the back or say, wow, that's amazing. I did that because I (laughs) was sitting there thinking about my character and I started writing and I started writing some more and looked up and it was about that long later. So I'm telling you that because if you encourage your players and your players have that freedom to run with it, Sometimes they can give you a lot more than you probably bargained for. Because I know when Kyle read mine, he stopped and he reworked about half of the <laughs> about half the stuff that he had written down already. But all of that to say, I think it's it's really good for the player to get into character, but also it's the DM to be able to connect with the character and really draw them into the story that that you have planned. Some of this you will hear. More towards the end of the story, it was my tie-in because we were doing The Lost Minds of Fandelver. So, you'll hear a tie-in to that um, as one of the um, main hooks that they give you in that book, for those of you who are familiar with that story. But otherwise, this story takes place in a land called the Farewells. It is a... If you're familiar with D&D lore, you'll know the Sword Coast, which is pretty, pretty common on pretty much most 5th edition campaigns. This island is actually about, I think, two weeks boat ride to the west of the uh, Sword Coast. And it's its, own, it's, own, it's its own place called the Farewells. So that said, I will give you a caveat that my character typically, his voice level is about two octaves lower than what my normal voice is. And I feel my voice starting to give out, so I'm not going to drop that octave as much as I would really love to, but I just hope that you'll bear with me and envision that in your head when he is talking. So, that being said, let me go ahead and read you this story, and I might post this in the show notes just for like visual reference. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure yet, but we'll see. My character is a multi-class. He is mainly druid, but he has a barbarian streak running through him. And 
The title of this story is called The Beast Within. Dakar Bedrock awoke with the warmth of the morning sun cresting over the eastern horizon. Keeping his eyes closed, he began communing with the nature atop the tallest tree in the Neverwinter Woods. The neon green freckles on his genasi body began to glow as the sun's rays danced across his rock-chiseled and slate-colored skin, and his jet-black hair that just ran past his shoulders began to blow in the breeze. A smile formed across his face as he continued, and let his thoughts wander into the caverns of his mind. Dakar was born to face a human druid and Sapphira, a Janassi warrior. Sapphira was not in the picture per Janassi customs. Janassi left their young with their partners, never to be seen again. The odds of two Janassi meeting each other are slim to none, as they are rare to begin with. Legends do speak of a hidden land of where the first Janassi originated from, but has faded to more of a legendary fairy tale than reality with every passing year. Face educated Dakar in everything he knew. They spent every waking moment working on some facet of druidic lifestyle. Whether it was land working and animal tracking, how to broker peace talks between people groups, and learning the traditional druidic fighting methods. He also demonstrated for Dakar how to craft his own herbalism kit from all forms of plants and soils, and some animals as well to make sturdy armor out of old oak roots and spider webbing. Dakar also studied the sacred types of metals, metal weapons that druids could use for weapons and tools, and he carried a pair of scimitars strapped to his person for those very specific defensive situations. The weapon he treasured most of all, however, was his quarterstaff, just like his father. The staff in the druidic culture told you everything you needed to know about the wielder. Dakar harvested from the same mahogany tree as his father decades before him. He spent days and nights carving down a rough, solid branch, smooth enough to be used as his primary weapon. Face's quarterstaff was well-worn and was used for everything that he did. The eight-foot-tall mahogany staff was inscribed with ancient druidic language that only a select few druids would be able to decipher. The biggest thing that made his staff unique was that it was not perfectly round like Dakar's was. Face's quarterstaff was old and had checked cuts in various places that ran the length of the staff. The smooth edges on the gnarly-shaped staff, as well as the flat edge on the bottom, indicated the multi-use of this weapon. With Face being the only known druid on the farewells, Dakar regularly joined his father when when going to talk with elders of various tribes and cities when they would go seek his wisdom. Dakar would look on as as Face would help explain and implement a way to help a city become more in tune with the land around him. On various outings, Dakar, when Dakar was either too young or not allowed to participate, he would wait for his father just outside the village or town. When meeting, when the meetings were adjourned, Face would sneak up on Dakar to work on the element of surprise. Dak was able to f- detect a few, but most of the surprise rounds went to Face. Face dictated Dakar about Balinor, the god of the druids. Balinor granted the power of change into wondrous beasts and saved whole cities from people of ruin. Stories of bringing balance and saving the extinction of people groups and small animal species. One story that intrigued Dak the most was that was a druid with no name that was able to turn into a Tarrasque. He was never seen or heard from again after that. Dakar longed for the day of being able to wall shape. He wanted to be so much like his mentor and his father. As Dak grew into a young man, Face continued to extremely train the boy in all things of the Druidic Order. He would run Dakar through every mentally rigorous and physically demanding training he knew or could conjure. 
As Dak grew in stature, face continued and more intensing and increasing difficult, increasingly difficult demanding of tasks. Dakar, however, had an, had an anger streak that ran through him, and he f- fought with a vigorous anger of unhealthy proportions at times. There were times during sparring matches when Face would wild shape to a brown bear before, before Dak could come to his senses again. Face was on the ground, having, forced from, having been forced from his wild shape. Face sometimes struggled to corral his mentee because Dakar wouldn't realize that the training had stopped, causing Face to subdue Dak to get him to snap out of it. My son, Face panted, exasperated from the hard workout. There is much great anger in you, and one that, if not controlled properly, will lead you to your demise. Valinor can help you channel this energy, but you must also do your part to not let it get out of control. I fight with the same way and have harnessed my anger through my magic and my transformations. But always remember, with great power comes great responsibility. There will be a time when, when you will unleash that inner strength. Trust your instincts, not your feelings. Dakar nodded and heeded his father's words as they ended their training for that day. The land of Farewell had been decimated by a group known as the Red Brands. The Red Brands were causing mayhem around the Farewells, but no one had been able to catch them in the act. It was a bunch of well-organized thugs that would essentially make friends only to rob you while shaking your hand. The Red Brands were notorious for moving in, acquiring any and everything of value, and disappearing before anyone was the wiser. Moreover, various goods and people had gone missing when the goods were going to be delivered back to their home villages from the southwestern harbor. One day, in the t- small town of Liftassi, in the southern central region of the Farewells, Face and Dakar were summoned to consult the elders of some recent land vandalism and shortage of crops. The leader of the city, a medium and fair-skinned human named Zinras, plus a tall and stocky young man named Aaron, met the duo as they approached the town square. Zinras pulled Face aside, whispered something in his ear. After a few seconds with a brief chat, Zinras then proceeded to walk inside. Face turned to Dakar outside the entrance. They have requested me to have a private audience with them at this time. Why don't you take? Why don't you relax a bit? I'll come find you when we are done. Aaron and Dakar stood there when the two older men had left them, and they stared. I don't know who you think you are, snarked Aaron, eyeing Dakar with an icy once-over. But you are not welcomed here. You are unnatural to this world. Sorry, and you are unnatural to this world. You, you are not welcomed here, and you are unnatural to this world. Dakar smirked with, at this comment. I am from the earth, just as you, he said, his voice two octaves lower than most. But your people call for our help. Correction, retorted Aaron flatly. We called Face, not his sidekick Golem. You do not belong here. I am here to help, Dakar said. I am not your enemy trying to suppress the rage and anger that began to swell up. You're making a huge mistake burning bridges you have not even attempted to build yet. Keeping his locked gaze, Dakar backed up away slowly to a safe distance and proceeded to head to the designated spot by face. Still in his thoughts, Dak's smiling face instantly faded as he remembered lying in a field just outside the village moments later. As he lay contemplating the interaction he had with Aaron, a brown bear pounced on top of him. Dak sparred back with his bare hands until the appropriate time when Face would call a truce. But this was different. The brown bear would not let up. Dak started to get overrun by the bear. The bear then grappled Dak and pounced him to the ground as best it could. Suddenly, Dak sprang to his feet and let out a deep, bellowing roar, one he had never even heard before. Dak continued to fight the bear until he snapped the neck of the beast. 
Sheer adrenaline and rage flooded through Dak's body as he continued to fish smash the face of the bear, yelling and screaming, only seeing red. This is a new sensation he'd never felt before, but he gave in to the red, continuing to swing as hard as he could. When he could swing no more, Dak stared at his shaking hands, only to be overshadowed with instant remorse as he saw who lay at his feet. The marred body as though it had been mauled by a bear itself, claw marks everywhere. As Dak looked upon the slain body, Dak couldn't help but notice right over Aaron's heart was the symboled crest of the red brands. Upon hearing the commotion, the whole city came running to see what had happened. The whole city gasped upon arrival as they saw Aaron, son of Zendris, lifelessly looking up at Dak, the horror-stricken look of the face looking up at him. Zendris and Face made their way to the front of the group. What have you done? Zendris bellowed. I, 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 was all that would come from the awestruck whisper of Dak's words. Processing all that had just happened before having to explain it. Answer me! exclaimed Zendris pointedly, shoving a stern finger pointed at Dakar. I I didn't know it was him. Dak defensively continued scrambling for anything that would sound intelligent. I swear to you on Balinor's goodness, I was lying under that tree right there when the bear bounced on top of me. I I stopped at the appropriate time as I thought it was my father. But the bear kept attacking me, so I had to defend myself. See? Look! Dakar rolled the sleeves of his tunic back to reveal some of the excessive marks from the beast. False! said Zendris flatly, glaring at Dakar with much ferocity. My boy would never do that. How dare you accuse him of such matters? He doesn't even know how to do that. I would never have let you... I should have never let you into my city. But sir, sir, pleaded Dak, please... You must believe me. Look at your son. He is a red brand. He attacked me because I wasn't like him. Zindris got right into Carr's face upon hearing those words, and then whispered in his ear in only a voice that he could, that Dak could hear. You're awful quick to make assumptions about things you have nothing to do with, outsider. Face immediately squeezed in between the two, seeing the tension rising once more. Is there a problem, Zindris? You will not lay a hand on this boy. He was merely defending himself. Zenris then turned and gave an icy, cold, daring look to face. If I ever see that boy of yours again, I'll make sure Aaron's passing is avenged. Then came to the motionless body of Aaron, picked him up, walked back towards the city, glaring and seething at Dakar. The two of them stared after the city, as the city members as they walked back to the... Nah, pfft, I'll try again. Face and Dakar then immediately headed out of the city of Latassi. They both knew Sanders was, per- was a vengeful person and would come after Dakar if he stayed in the farewells. Dak needed to leave, and he needed to leave fast. Face took Dakar and traveled to the small sp- southern port of Sankura. The two traveled in silence for the whole trip, contemplating the events of what had just happened. After securing boat passage to Neverwinter, Face told Dakar by the dock and pulled out. Face took Dakar by the dock and pulled out the walking stick and a knapsack he'd been keeping with him for decades. My son, he said, I have taught you everything I know and hold dear. You have become the man that I only thought the young man that I only wish I could have been at your age. Face then paused, taking his walking staff and turning it horizontally. I would like you to take this staff and with it. Remember all that you have learned. I might not have been a 
a teacher to many and potentially have biases, but I see a potential in you, my son. You make me proud. I sense a dissonant harmony in your spirit, however, that only Balinar will be able to unleash. I pray that you will remember my sage words of advice. Take them to heart. They will lead you down the right path. Now go. Take this staff and go. My good friend, Gundren Roxier, has reached out to me informing that he needs good men to help him carry out a task in the Neverwinter area on the Sword Coast. Get there as soon as you can. Please make haste. We don't want to wait him, make him wait any longer. But Father, Dak petitioned, trying to keep the staff in his father's hands. What will you do? Where will you go so that I can find you when I get back? I know you will need the staff more than I. I will continue to work on my... Oh! Faye smiled, stopping him in his tracks. I will be fine. I will go and commune with Balinor and visit the Druidic Circle and to regain a sense of how to proceed. But more importantly, if you think our magic is tied to our weapons, you are mistaken. He then took two pointed fingers and tapped Tack on the chest. It's here. Follow your instincts. The magic will be there in time. I know your mother is watching and is just as proud of you as I am. Dak then opened his neon green colored eyes as the sun had risen above him, casting shadows behind his Indian style leg crossed body, sitting on the plateau of tree branches. Dak then finished his morning focus. Dak then finished fo- his morning focusing on his spells, grabbed his gear and his beloved staff, and proceeded down to the land of Neverwinter. His mission: restore the balance by making sure the Redbrands are never heard from again. Well, guys, I hope you like my uh, backstory. Uh, I just figured I'd throw it out there again, just to be as a template or maybe some encouragement to. Anybody that's looking to get into more of like backstory writing or story writing for characters and things like that. So again, as we always say, thank you so much for being here with us. If you would do us again, do us a favor and subscribe if you haven't already to this podcast on your favorite platform. That would help us out a lot. If you would uh, leave us a comment, um, we super appreciate those. We read all of the comments that go in, that come in, and we just are really grateful for, that you would take the time out to write those. If you'd like to get into a, contact with us directly, you can always email us at dungeonmastertalk at gmail.com. Um, we do answer those as, as quickly as we can. We are on social media if you want to reach us that way. Uh, we have the Dungeon Master Talk page on Facebook, as well as we are on Twitter with the handle at DMT the podcast, and you can also reach us on with the hashtag Dungeon Master Talk. So, for all of us here at DMT, I am Dungeon Master Shay, and we will see you next time on Dungeon Master Talk. <laughs>